Well, I think actually between Al, Zach, and whoever else has been up here speaking, you've actually pretty much given my sermon, so I might just, might just sit down. No, I won't do that. Good evening. Um, my name is Rachel, as Zach said, um, and for those of you who don't know me, um, my husband Jim and I um, are the pastors here at Kingdom Vineyard. It's lovely to see you all. Thank you for joining us this evening. So this week is number seven of eight in our evening series. We started by taking an in-depth look at who the Holy Spirit is and how he operates. And for our final two weeks, we're turning our thoughts to how our understanding of the Holy Spirit impacts how we go about doing church and our lives in general. If you've missed any of the previous talks and you want to catch up, I can highly recommend them and they are all available on our website. This evening, the idea I want to open up and spend some time pondering over is what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to lead our church meetings and to lead us as we lead our church meetings. Before I begin, a small note on the format of my talk this evening. As most of you will know if you um, are a regular member of this church, our normal sermon practice is to go through Bible passages with the finest tooth comb in all the world. But that won't be what I'm doing this evening. The previous talks in this series have given us the biblical basis and the theological grounding for us tonight to then zoom in and take a look at the practical implications of that theology on the way that we do church. If you've got any difficult questions about this, though, um, Jim would love to answer them. <laughs> so, what would that approach to church look like? Well, taking a leaf out of Caitlin's book, I've just got one main point I want to make this evening. My point is that the way we do church is all about relationship with God rather than remembrance of God. Relationship not remembrance. What do I mean by that? Well, I don't know about you, but the first thing that comes to my mind when I think remembrance is Remembrance Sunday, a day where we remember the sacrifice made by millions and remember the lives cut short. It's a sad occasion, and there's very little to be joyful about. It's also an activity of looking back into the past to appreciate something of great significance and value to us that has already happened. Remembrance in this sense is about appreciating something that we can no longer see, feel, or hold. It's about appreciating something that we feel the benefit of, but are no longer actively participating in. Of course, we also remember the amazing sacrifice that Jesus made for us 2,000 years ago. But our remembrance of those we honor on Remembrance Sunday and our gratitude to Jesus are not expressed in the same way. Yes, we remember and we celebrate his sacrifice. And we take communion in remembrance of him. But we don't remember Jesus' actions as if they were only a historical event. We remember this because this is how God set up our current relationship with Jesus for today. On Remembrance Sunday, the emphasis is the crucially important events of the past. 
Every time we gather to worship Jesus, our emphasis is on meeting with him today. Active presence, not historical distance. Relationship rather than remembrance. So how do we turn this theory into practice? How do we differentiate between remembering something Jesus has done in the past and actively reaching out for Jesus in the present? How do we set up our church meetings so that we don't just point to Jesus, but we pray, your will be done, and we really want him to act? What would it look like for Jesus to lead our church meetings? What would it look like for Jesus to decide which songs we sing every time we meet? Which messages we pass on? Which sermons we preach? What would it look like for Jesus to announce in the middle of a Sunday worship service that he wants to heal someone and then do it? The answer to these what-ifs is exactly what we strive to do every time we meet here in Kingdom Vineyard. Our prayer, come Holy Spirit, is our explicit invitation, permission, submission to God, and our explicit request that he would lead our time together to do what he wants to do, to be active and dynamic in steering the church service. But couldn't we just do this by praying in advance? Doesn't that cover it? Well, that is a good idea, and it is something we do. 10 to 10, every Sunday morning, and you're all invited. But this active, partnering, relational with God approach to leading services is an act of deliberate, vulnerable submission. To ask Jesus, through his Holy Spirit, to take the wheel and take us wherever he likes. Even if that means the poor person with the microphone taking the risk of looking completely lost while the Holy Spirit asks us to wait. Let me just say at this point that we don't believe that we've come up with the only way of doing church that God can use. The Holy Spirit is at work both within and sometimes especially out with his church. And I can't stress enough that no one expression of church has a monopoly on his presence. That said, the Vineyard Movement was founded on a way of doing church that prioritizes people making real connections with God and allowing the Holy Spirit to do his thing. And we hold that purpose at the very front of our minds in everything we do. To dig into the practicalities of what that looks like, tonight I want to focus on a few different things that we regularly include in Kingdom Vineyard worship meetings, ask why we do them, and explore how the Holy Spirit often uses these things to minister to us powerfully, because it's relationship, not remembrance. Tonight, the areas of our church meetings that I'm going to look at are these. Our approach to worship, prayer in our services, the place of words of knowledge and the prophetic, the approach of the service leader, the place of silence in our services, and finally, why we pray this prayer of come Holy Spirit. It's a long list, but we won't be here all night, I promise. Let's dive in. 
How do we approach worship in a way that invites the Holy Spirit to lead us and offers those who come to worship with us a relationship with God and not merely remembrance of him? You'll have noticed this evening that our worship lasted for about half an hour. This isn't because we like the sound of our own voices, although we are blessed with some serious vocal beauty in this church, Anna. (laughs) Sorry, forgive me. Rather, it's it's because we believe that worship is a process. Instead of just singing one song at a time, our worship leaders deliberately choose and arrange songs to help usher us into the presence of God and meet with him. The first couple of songs are usually a call to worship, reminding us why we're here. Then we move into songs of praise and thanksgiving, and finally into songs of devotion. This journey gives us the time and the language we need to begin worship and to prepare ourselves to meet with God through it. We are completely convinced that God loves us and wants to meet with us. We see it in scripture, we know it in our experience. Worship is the highest priority of the Vineyard Movement. We love honoring God, we love glorifying God, and we love meeting with God. Our worship times are times offered to God for his glory, and we offer them to the congregation as opportunities to reach out to him in intimacy. We don't have a magic formula. It's not that Jesse strums the first chord of 10,000 reasons and the Holy Spirit rushes in. Rather, our faithful worship leaders have prepared their hearts to lead the congregation into God's presence. And the congregation have prepared their hearts to hear from him. And that's when the Holy Spirit is likely to show up in response to a room full of people who are keen to be with him. Worship is what we were made for, and God delights when we meet him there. Relationship, not remembrance. And I don't know about you, but it often takes me a while to focus on whatever it is I'm supposed to be focusing on. So if we just sang one or two songs at a time, they might pass by without me really engaging. But by having a chunk of time dedicated to worshiping Jesus, I can't help but turn my focus to a real meeting with the loving Father I'm singing to. And I find that in those moments, I really experience an encounter with the living God. But isn't this long, deliberate process of worship some kind of manipulation? Aren't we just trying to manufacture something? Absolutely not. The last thing we want to do is put on a show. And there's a big difference between trying to force people into something versus making as much space and time as possible for people to meet with God, and that's what we want from our worship. As a final note on this, worship being a journey, along with our propensity to be a bit distracted, is why it's really important to be here right from the beginning of worship. (laughs) Brownie points from Jesse. It's much harder to get on the train after it's left the station. 
So if you're prone to hitting snooze just one more time on a Sunday morning, can I lovingly encourage you out of bed a little earlier to get here on time? And even on the way to worship, if you can, be preparing your heart to seek God's poured out presence as we gather to glorify and invite him. Let's not miss out on this. The meeting is so, so worth it. So that's the heart behind worship. What about prayer? The Bible is full of commandments to pray and to pray for each other. Whatever it is we need. And so that's what we do. That's why at the end of our service, you will hear us inviting people to come and receive prayer for healing, for pain of all types, and for anything else the Holy Spirit might want to do. It's a relational model of prayer, both in terms of our relationship with each other as well as our relationship with God. We could just pray for each other's needs from the comfort of our own home, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But there is power in stepping forward for prayer as a way of opting in to all God has for you, as well as power in our brothers and sisters in Christ ministering God's presence to us. When we do this, we really expect God to meet with the prayee and to speak. We we believe he's active in the praying process, not just a listening service. He has things to say to us and about our circumstances, and he longs to meet with us in that moment because it's about relationship, not remembrance. And if the Holy Spirit is up for ministering to us through people praying, then I want as many of us to be learning how to faithfully be used by him in this as possible. And that's partly why we're doing this series, to demystify who the Holy Spirit is and to help people understand how he works so that we can get closer to him and minister to each other ever more effectively. On to our next topic. What difference does it make to a church meeting that the Holy Spirit still speaks today and leads his people through his gift of words of knowledge and the prophetic? Suppose you come to church one morning with a certain specific problem that you just cannot escape from, a feeling of guilt that you really need God to speak into, or a particular need that you're desperate for God to show up in. Then suppose that with absolutely no natural knowledge of the situation, the person leading the service shares a word or a picture that has been given to them by a member of the congregation listening out to the Holy Spirit, and it is exactly what you needed to hear from God. It still blows my mind that we experience God's kindness and loving faithfulness in this way, Every week at Kingdom Vineyard, he is a good, good father. So, how do we actually build in the Holy Spirit speaking during our services? Well, we start by just expecting that he has things to say. Again, there's no magic formula for this either. It's as simple as knowing that because we're in an active relationship with him, God must want to speak to us. And all we do is give him space to do that. 
Every Sunday morning, as I said, we meet before the service to pray for the service and the people coming. And we ask God what he has to say to them, and we just listen. Then at the beginning of our service, we invite the whole congregation to listen out for what God might be saying to our church family. And we ask them to come and share what they hear with the service leader. And you'll have seen that happening to Zach on a few occasions while we worshipped this evening. It's then the job of whoever's leading the service to have their own conversation with God and ask him which words are truly from him and which ones are for sharing and when. Then we share the words we think God is asking us to share and we invite people to respond. And they do. So we must be onto something with this. God has been so kind to us here at Kingdom Vineyard through words, pictures, and prophecy. We've seen lives transformed and bodies healed, all because someone listened out for what God was saying to them and had the courage to share it. And so you know I'm not making this up. I want to share with you an example of this happening in my life recently. This week, in fact. Those of you who are regular members of the church will know that this is my first ever preach. You'll also know that I've been trying to run away from doing this for a while now. So, in the midst of a tear-filled tantrum over this sermon at the beginning of the week, I prayed, God, do I really have to do this? Jim even offered to take it off me, um, possibly just uh, for a quieter week. Um, But I knew deep down, sorry, thank you. (laughs) But I knew deep down that that wasn't right. Hoping for a God-ordained get-out-of-jail-free card, I got in touch with one of my friends in Northern Ireland who hears... So I got in touch (laughs) with one of my friends in Northern Ireland who who hears from God with frightening accuracy. All I said was, give me a word from God for this week. I don't think I even said please. (laughs) No context, nothing about a sermon, and certainly not owning up to my sob fest. I didn't even tell him that my question had a yes-no answer, just a word from God. He actually then tasked his friend with listening out for me. So the word that I'm going to share with you came from someone who probably doesn't even know my name. In answer to my very specific question of, Lord, do I really have to do this? The word that came back from this person was this. Yes. (laughs) He sees what is next and is roaring over you and ahead of you. He stands atop the crest of the next valley and is calling you on. The yes is even helpfully highlighted to make sure, <laughs> to make sure I couldn't miss that bit. So I cried a bit more and I pressed on with my preparation. <laughs> Pray for Jim. And that is the power of letting God speak. 
Jim and I also moved here to lead this church based on pages and pages of very specific words of knowledge. That's too long a story for today, but if you're interested in hearing it, buy me a coffee and I'll give you the long version. If you want the even longer version, buy Jim a coffee and he'll tell you. <laughs> Moving on, sorry Jim. <laughs> Got a lot to answer for this week. <laughs> Service leading. <laughs> we'll move on to silence later. <laughs> service leading. We've already talked a bit about the job of a service leader on a Sunday morning, about how they steward words and pictures from God through the congregation and share them in our meetings. But there's more to it than that. Within the context of talking about how we run our church meetings, with an emphasis on our active relationship with God and in partnership with the Holy Spirit, I also want to mention this, that it's the job of the service leader to discern what the Lord might be doing during the service, to listen out for what the Holy Spirit might be wanting to do as well as say. That looks like the service leader looking around the congregation and watching and listening out for signs of the Holy Spirit at work and of God meeting with people. Some people just stick their tongue out at me when I do this, but I also see people responding powerfully to the worship and being met by the Holy Spirit. This form of the spiritual gift of discernment is where the person responsible for steering our communal act of worship is making sure that the person steering them is God through his Holy Spirit. Again, this is about our active relationship with him and making sure that we're paying attention to how and where he is moving. You could say that this is an emphasis on relationship with God, not solely remembrance of him. The next thing I want to look at is the place of silence in our ministry. I really think, <laughs> I really think we get on much better if we let God do at least 50% of the talking in our conversations with him. A great deal of our time spent with God should involve us being still and quiet in a position to listen and receive. But what does that look like in our services? It could mean slowing down or even completely stopping everything that we are doing to make way for something the Holy Spirit is up to. It is, once again, expecting Jesus to be an active leader in our church services. And just as if you were co-leading with a person standing next to you, you want to make sure that you stop, turn to them, and see what they want to say or do. It's a church service that's designed for relationship, not remembrance. If God asked us to, we would be willing to throw our plan and our pastor out of the window to make way for him to move. Thankfully, it doesn't usually look that dramatic. It usually looks more like leaving times of silence, long or short, when we're praying for people. 
It often looks like the service leader or worship leader not rushing from one song or one prayer to another in case the Holy Spirit has something that he wants to do. One of my favorite phrases is Mike Pilavachi's, who always says, don't kill it with words. This is the leadership skill of waiting, even with everyone watching you and doing absolutely nothing except listening to Jesus. Silence and stillness seem to be fertile ground for the Holy Spirit to move and do his transforming work. It is, after all, the Holy Spirit who transforms us. Finally, the last element of our worship services that I want to think about this evening, as Zach alluded to earlier, is our often repeated prayer and the title of this evening series, Come Holy Spirit. As you may have spotted from the way I've been talking this evening, and as you might just have picked up if you've been following this series from the beginning, we pray that prayer and we invite God's active and leading presence because we believe that he loves us deeply and he wants to make his presence felt among us in intimacy and because we want him to lead us in everything we do. So what difference does this prayer make to our services on a Sunday? Well, when we pray, come Holy Spirit, we really believe he will show up. I feel like I've just about got my head around leading a service here at Kingdom Vineyard. But the Holy Spirit will always be our best service leader. Our prayer is that he really would come and lead us. Yes, in our whole lives in general, because he's always with us. But yes, specifically and manifestly in our worship of him. We ask him to come because we want him to usher us into the presence of God. We were built to be in the presence of our loving Father. It is our heart's deepest desire. But we can't get there by ourselves. We want a real meeting with God, so we need the Holy Spirit. This is all about our relationship with God, right here, right now. This is relationship, not remembrance. Coming into land, how can we sum all of this up? What does it boil down to, this act of focusing our services on relationship rather than remembrance? listening to the Holy Spirit, and doing whatever he tells us. It is all about our expectation that he will come and be with us. And it's about our willingness for him to minister to us however he sees fit. It's about the Holy Spirit leading and us following, not the other way around. It would be worryingly possible for us to put on a church meeting where the Holy Spirit doesn't get a look in. And we want to do everything we can to make sure that that never, ever happens. We do that by wanting our worship to be a process where we work our way towards meeting with God 
rather than something that happens so fast it can pass us by. We want our prayer ministry to be relational, where we minister to each other and give the Holy Spirit space to speak, rather than just running through our own prayer tick list. We expect the Holy Spirit to speak through words and pictures, because we believe he's an active part of our everyday lives with things to say here and now. We have the, whole, the service leader keep their eye on how the congregation are responding and what the Holy Spirit might be doing so that we can respond to his presence and his leading. We seek to leave spaces of stillness and silence during our meetings so that we don't miss what the Holy Spirit might want to do. And we pray, come Holy Spirit, as a way of stating our intention that we want God to have his way, rather than just us going through the motions. Everything we seek to do is because we want to be closer to God. Everything is thought through with the aim of pointing the congregation to Jesus. Everything is planned around being willing to not have a plan so that the Holy Spirit can have his way. It's all for the purpose of creating a space for a relationship with God, not just a remembrance of him. Can I invite you to stand? Now, we're a church who likes to literally practice what we preach. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to leave some silence. I'm going to pray, come Holy Spirit. And then we're just going to see what God wants to do. This is nothing, if you're not used to it, nothing to be freaked out about. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. So can I invite you to just do whatever is most comfortable to you. Close your eyes, put your arms out. Stand up, sit down, whatever it is. And just have your own conversations with God as I leave some space. Come, Holy Spirit. We love you. We welcome you. We invite you to do your thing in each of us, whatever that might be. More of you, Jesus, in each of these people's lives. Would you come now and would you minister to each of them however you see fit?